welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. Open up your Bibles to the book of Genesis. We are going through a sermon series here on Sunday mornings called Rebuild Part 2. That's a future children's church worker right there, just guiding the children downstairs. So, with that, so that is, and Miss Esther with that. So, um, we are going through on Sunday mornings, we're talking about Rebuild Part 2. So, um, we're looking at passages of people in, throughout the Bible that experience difficult times, setbacks, and one we're going to look at today is the life of Joseph, because I want you to know one of your setbacks that you will likely experience at some point in your family is your family will turn against you. When I say turn against you, they will put you down, they will disappoint you, they will slander you, the ones that you love the most, the ones that live in your house, your mother, father, your brother, sister, your children, your grandchildren, they will lie, cheat, and steal from you. Uh, and that's, I hate to say it, that will happen, that's a given in life, and that is something that we see occur to a young man named Joseph. He had 11 brothers, and they were not the best brothers. They sold him into slavery, and then at one point they were going to kill him. But they thought, why kill the man when we can get some money for him? So um, that is what happened. We're going to see that story. And we want to see how Joseph, and this is what the real principle for us this morning, and I think so much of this is rebuilding, because I want you to know, Joseph did not become bitter. He had an opportunity to seek revenge and to strike back towards his brothers and his family, but he didn't. So many believers have been let down and hurt, and they've experienced pain from their families. And they have carried that for decades. Year after year, they've carried this hurt with them. And then they go and strike back, or they slander or gossip, or they refuse to speak to family members, and they literally will go to their grave. Yeah, we have one life to live. We will live our entire life actually hating our family members, people we just have chosen not to speak to. I want you to know, if there's someone in your family that for whatever reason you don't talk to them, they're what we call off-limits, they do their thing, you do your thing, that is a red flag that there is a broken relationship. Something needs to be done. Now, remember, we cannot fix other people. We can't fix other people. But what we can do is we can offer, the, as the Bible calls, the olive branch, the token of forgiveness. We take the initiative. We stick out our hand. We offer the apology. We try to mend a broken relationship. God does not want us going through life with a bunch of burned bridges all behind us. You know, it's like a disgruntled employee. And big corporations... Not that I've ever been fired, but if you work for a big company, if you lost your job, they actually escort you. They tell, HR tells you you're losing your job, and they walk you out of the building. You gather up your stuff. And, like, and the reason why is because they know, I guess from prior experience, people are angry and upset, and they will, I don't know, somehow on their way out the door those last two weeks or that last day, gather up all their information, all the damage they can do to seek revenge on the company. And that is wrong. That is not what God wants us to do. A great example of how we are rejected among those we know the most 
is actually from Jesus. In the book of Luke, Jesus, Luke chapter 4, God had raised up his son to be a prophet, to preach the word of God. And he starts going about the territories, proclaiming the good news. When he comes to his hometown of Nazareth, and he, he goes into his local synagogue, the church he grew up in, he goes there, and he asks for the scroll. He goes and gets to Isaiah 61, verse 1. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I've come to proclaim the good news to you. And the response, now this is what you would call a dead, not, it's not a dead church, it's a dead synagogue back then. They look at Jesus, the Son of God, and said, isn't this Joseph's son? Nobody's going to believe the man. No one's going to respond to the man. They look at him and say, I know your daddy. Why should I listen to you? And Jesus went on to explain to them that in a hometown, a prophet has no honor. Meaning, when you go back to your home church, when you go to your hometown, all they can think about is you as a nine-year-old little boy that misbehaved. They can't get past that. No one can. People who watch other people grow up, for whatever reason, they still think you're a baby. You're a child. And they will, you will always be identified as that way. Even when you're 80 years old, if there's somebody who's 100, they will think of you as a 10-year-old. That's just what they identify. They raised you. That's where your, your place is at life. It's at the back of the bus. It's at the end of the line. And Jesus was rejected in his hometown. His rejection was really severe. If you read, read on down from that story there in, in Luke chapter 4, they actually were so enraged at the him, his family, they took him to a cliff to kill him. That's a brother for you right there. They're going to throw him off the cliff. That's, a, that's what your family does to you. So... And that is what Jesus experienced. And I think for us, we need to make sure, part of your spiritual rebuild, making sure you're right with God, is to make sure you do not have any animosity, any unforgiveness, any hardened, hardened hearts or sins towards people whom you love the most. Because if you do, the Bible's going to see us. We're going to look at it later on. Jesus warns us, if we have animosity and hatred towards people, we need to make sure we deal with that sin because God will not extend forgiveness to us. Open up your Bibles, Genesis chapter 37, verse 12. There's a man named Joseph. He's son number 11 of 12. He had a bunch of brothers, and Joseph, unfortunately, was shown favoritism by his father. Moms, dads, grandparents, it is wrong to show favoritism to your children. It's not the right thing to do. And the reason why is because your other sibling, your other children, your other grandchildren who did not receive the special gift, who did not receive the favor, didn't get to go out to eat, whatever happened, didn't get the blessing, they will be jealous of your other children who did receive the favor and they, will hold, they can harbor bitterness towards moms and dads for showing favoritism. The Bible in the book of James warns us about favoritism. God does not show favoritism towards us. And we are not to show favoritism towards other people. But unfortunately, this Bible story, Joseph, he was shown favoritism. And that caused problem, problems for him. What happened was his dad gave him a coat of many colors, a very nice gift from his father. And not only that... 
Joseph had dreams. If you have dreams of your family bowing down to you, the best thing for you not to do is tell your brother, Brother, I had this dream, and you and Dad and Mom were bowing down to me. They aren't going to be excited about that. They aren't going to rejoice in your dream. That doesn't fire other people up. In fact, when Joseph told his brothers that his dream, they hated him all the more. They didn't want to hear that. There's some things you just don't tell. You don't, you don't brag to your family how awesome you are. You know, they, they don't think you're awesome. Verse 12, it says here, Genesis 37, 12, His brothers, that's J uh, Joseph's brothers, had gone to pasture their father's flocks at Shechem. So they've traveled about 50 miles from home. Israel, his, that is also known as Jacob, said to Joseph, Your brothers, you know, are pasturing the flocks at Shechem. Get ready, I'm sending you to them. I'm ready, Joseph replied. Then Israel, or Jacob, said to him, Go and see how your brothers and the flocks are doing, and bring word back to me. So he sent him from the Hebron Valley and went to Shechem. A man found him there wandering in the field and asked him, What are you looking for? You know, you can just tell younger brother has no clue, so he's wandering around in circles looking for his brothers. And he says, I'm looking for my brothers. I guess just assuming if you just go wandering around somewhere, you say, where are you looking for? I'm looking for my brothers. As if you're supposed to know who your brothers are, but miraculously they did know who his brothers were. And um, the, can I, you tell me where they're pasturing their flocks? They've moved on from here, the man said. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. Dothan's another 20 miles north. So at this point, we're 70 miles away from daddy. And that's riding a donkey. So that's a, long, a several day journey. You're a good way away from home. So if you're going to commit a crime, it's always good to go, go to some other town. Wherever Dothan is, we'll go there and commit a crime. So that's where they're at. So Joseph sets out after his brothers and finds them in Dothan. They saw him in a distance, and before he had reached them, they plotted to kill him. They said to one another, Oh look, here comes that dream expert. So now, come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Pits would be cisterns. They, back then, that's how they kept their water. This would be the drinking water for animals. We can say that a vicious animal ate him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. When Reuben, Reuben is the firstborn. We've got 12 brothers here, so Reuben's number one. When Reuben heard this, he tried to save him from them. He said, let's not take his life. Reuben also said to him, don't shed blood. Throw him in the pit in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him, intending to rescue him from them and return him to his father. Reuben loved daddy, and he knew that his father, whom he loved, also loved this little boy. The boy is foolish. Let's just throw him in the pit. I'll come back later and pull him out and take him back home to dad, and everything will be okay. So that Reuben, that is his plan. So... And it goes on to say, verse 23, When Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped off Joseph's robe, that's the coat of many colors, that he had had on. They took him and threw him into the pit. The pit was empty without water. So Joseph's in a pit now. They sat down to eat a meal. That's what you do if you beat up your brother. You sit down and say, let's have dinner. We got rid of him. And when they looked up, there comes a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Who are these Ishmaelites? If you were here last week, you remember I preached on who is Ishmael. Ishmael is Abraham's oldest son. Remember Abraham had sexual relations 
with his uh, wife's slave, Hagar, and his firstborn is Ishmael. The Bible tells us that God blessed Ishmael, even though his family and his tribes had come, all the descendants of Ishmael are children of the promise, but because they, God loved Abraham, he also blessed Ishmael. So they look up and they lived out in the wilderness, in the middle of nowhere. These were country folks. So they look up and Ishmaelites were attached to Egypt because their Ishmael's mother, Hagar, is from Egypt. Ishmael married an Egyptian. So what do the Ishmaelites do? It says here, their camels were carrying aromic gum, balsam, reason, going down to Egypt. They're trading with Egypt. Judah, who's the fourth oldest son here, is the lineage of Jesus that Judah came from. He said to his brothers, he's apparently, uh, he's the, this would be like the guy who, who keeps the money bags. Why, give, why kill someone when we can get some money out of them? Judah said to his brothers, What do we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay a hand on him, for he's our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers agreed. When Midian trade, Midianite traders passed by, his brother pulled Joseph out of the pit and sold him for 20 pieces of silver to the Ishmaelites, who took Joseph to Egypt. Don't miss this little phrase. They took him to Egypt. I want you to know, Joseph is in the promised land here in this little town called Dothan. And it's in Israel. He got sold into slavery for 20 pieces of silver. And he ends up in Egypt. Do you know the next time Joseph leaves Egypt? It'll be 70, 80 years later. He had no idea that this being sold into slavery in Egypt, the next time he actually gets to come back to the promised land, he's the prime minister of Egypt, and he's burying his father there. And that's when he extends kindness to his brothers. You know, in the Bible, many of the great fathers of our faith found themselves in Egypt. Think about who had to go to Egypt. Abraham, he had to go to Egypt because of a great famine. Jacob, he has to go. This is, Jacob is Joseph's father. He had to go to Egypt also because of a famine and to visit Joseph. Joseph is in slavery in Egypt. Joseph leads all the Israelites to Egypt, and they find themselves 400 years later in slavery. And that's where Moses comes out of. He's raised up because he was a baby in the Nile River, pulled out of a basket. He was in Egypt. Egypt, I've shared it before, is that place you have to live. It's where you work. It's where you're at. And the culture all around you is immoral. I want you to know, high schoolers, middle schoolers, when you go to school, you are in Egypt. You are among people who do not believe the Bible, who are teaching evolution, who are there looking at the lens of the world through a secular worldview. And there's lots of lost people. It's immoral in Egypt. It's a place that you have to be, you have to work, you have to live, but it's not home, it's not the promised land. Some of you are here off to college, you're here in Lexington, and it's Egypt. And it's so important when you find yourself in Egypt that you are faithful to the Lord. Joseph goes to Egypt as a slave, and he remained faithful to God. 
Moses calls out of Egypt. He, God raised up Moses and he brought the Israelites out of Egypt to the promised land. But in the New Testament, there's one person who also had to go to Egypt. Because there's times in our life that we will find ourselves in Egypt. I want you all to know, really, in many ways, this past two years in our lives, it's been Egypt. There's a lot of folks who are sick. There's a lot of change. There's just everything is different. And it's, a, it's something we're not familiar with. That is Egypt for us. Jesus, when he was two years old, his mother and father escaped from Bethlehem to Egypt to get away from Herod, who was trying to kill him. And many times you have to go to Egypt. But Egypt should not remain in us. It's not our home. So Joseph, here he goes to this place. He goes to this other nation that does not know the Lord, does not worship or serve the Lord. And he is going to remain faithful to God. It says in verse 26, verse 29, When Reuben returned to the pit and saw that his brother Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. He went back to his brothers and said, The boy is gone. What am I going to do? So they took Joseph's robe, slaughtered a male goat, and dipped the robe in blood. They sent the long sleeve robe to their father and said, We found this. Examine it. Is it your son's robe or not? His father recognized it. It is my son's robe. He said, A vicious animal has devoured him. Joseph has been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth around his waist, and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and daughters tried to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will go down to Sheol to my son. Mourning, and his father wept for him. Meanwhile, so... Here comes the lie. We tell daddy that an animal ate him. And that they, his poor father lived with this lie many, many years. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and the captain of the guards. So we're going to see God's hand is at work in Joseph. He finds himself at the head army officer's house, Potiphar. Now, poor Joseph, his life was one. He remained faithful in Egypt because Potiphar's wife was trying to commit adultery with him, and then she got mad because she was rejected, so he ran away. He found himself in jail because he was lied about by her. Then in, in, in prison, while in jail, God gives him dreams. He's able to interpret the dreams. And he gets promoted to the prime minister under Pharaoh. But even while in jail, he was forgotten about from his dreams. So he lived literally on a roller coaster. But the entire time we see throughout Joseph's life, he remained faithful to the Lord. Amidst living people who did not worship and serve the Lord, he was faithful to his God. What's also important about Joseph and what ties in with the rebuild message today and what to do when your family turns against you is how Joseph responded to his brothers. So flip over in your Bibles to the book, of, or say in Genesis, chapter 50. The very last chapter in Genesis. 
This is how Joseph extended kindness to his brothers. Now think about it. If your brother or sister, your family member, sold you into slavery, and you had to spend 70 years, your entire life, as a slave, but the whole time now, the Lord was just you, and you didn't just become a slave, you became the prime minister. But I bet in those early days, while he was locked up, it would have been very easy for him to be bitter and angry and upset with his brothers and have animosity and resentment towards them. But that was not Joseph. Even when he was wronged against, he still showed kindness to those that hurt him. This is our principle of what we do. Look here in your Bibles. Genesis chapter 50, verse 15. God's Word says, When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, so now Jacob, daddy's dead, and he was the restraining force. Now their son, or their older, their, their brother, he could seek revenge. His dad's gone. They said to one another, If Joseph is holding a grudge against us, he will certainly repay it, pay us all for the suffering we cause him. Folks, this is 60, 70, 80 years later. This is a long time. They have never forgotten what they did to their brother. And they're worried. These weren't the most honest men, so they, they were notorious for lying. So here comes another possible lie. Verse 16. So they sent this message to Joseph. Before he died, your father gave us a command. They're prepping him for their meeting. Do you know, if you're worried that someone's going to be angry with you, what do you do? You send them a gift. You send them a gift card. You take them out to lunch. You let them know, hey, we're, I'm going to send you kindness even before I meet you. Say this to Joseph. Please forgive your brother's transgressions and their sin, the suffering they caused you. Therefore, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the Lord, of the God of your father. Now, that's what the brothers claim. They're sending a message to Joseph saying, Daddy wanted you to forgive us for what we did. Now, nowhere in the Bible is that actually recorded, that Jacob actually said that. So he could have said it. It's just not recorded in the Scriptures. And Jacob likely probably said that. But Joseph was such a kind man, he didn't need that type of comment. Look what Joseph does. Joseph wept when their message came to him. His brothers also came to him, bowed down before him and said, We are your slaves. So now they're offering to be slaves to him. And this is the main part of today, verses verse 19 and 20. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid, guys. Am I in the place of God? Meaning the Bible actually tells us it is the Lord who seeks revenge. Vengeance, the Bible says, God says, is mine. We do not strike back against other people. The Lord Jesus did not strike back. And he was God. And he was certainly slandered and lied about. And look at, look at this verse in verse 20. You plan, Joseph says, evil against me. Meaning, you had this evil plan against me. This is the working of the Lord in our life. When someone has hurt you and you are in pain, you're a victim. It says, But God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. What you thought was bad, God took your evil and worked it for good. 
And that's what He does in your life. When you have been wronged and you've been hurt, we need to be aware of the workings of the Lord, that God takes something that is evil and wicked, and He can weave it and work it in a way that it actually is for our benefit. And the Lord did that with Joseph. Therefore, don't be afraid. I will take care of you and your children. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Joseph was kind to his brothers. Folks, that is how we respond to people who has hurt us. You've been hurt. You have been wronged. You're, you, you have an opportunity facing bitter circumstances, but you should not become a bitter man, a bitter woman. This Everything that happened to Joseph was the making of a bitter man. But like I said earlier, the solution to fixing bitterness is never fixing the other person. As much as I want to, I cannot fix my wife. You cannot fix your children. You cannot fix your grandchildren. You just can't do it. You might tell them what to do. You pay for them to do something. You send them to school. You pay for the school. You buy them everything they need to be successful. But they have to make that decision. They have to put in the hard work. They have to use wisdom and discernment. You can tell your children not to use drugs, but they might do it. You can tell people not to drink and drive, but they do it. There comes a point where all we do is turn over. We can do the best we can, and we trust the Lord. We pray about it. We surrender it to the Lord. And as much as, as much as these brothers had hurt Joseph, they could not fix Joseph. He is the one that extended kindness and forgiveness to them. Because that is what Jesus has done to us. The only solution for you when you've been hurt, you do not want to live your life bitter, angry, and upset. Your only solution is to look to God. Everything can be explained through those experiences of seeing a God-centered worldview. Lord, I don't understand it. I don't know why this happened to me. But Lord, you're going to take this uneventful, this tragic thing that occurred, and you're going to work. It's going to be for your greater purpose. I will be strengthened. People will be saved. The Lord will bless others because of this. Bitterness and forgiveness are attached to each other. Jesus told us on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, 14 and 15. He warns us about this. He says, and this ties in with the Lord's Supper we're about to take in a minute. If you forgive other people of their offenses, meaning if someone has wronged you, you forgive them, your heavenly Father, God, He will forgive you as well. Listen to this warning. It tells us, but if you refuse to forgive, if you don't forgive other people, your heavenly Father will not forgive your offense. Meaning, how can you hold a grudge, never extend forgiveness to someone who deserves it? You're carrying a burden. And you know that's what it is. When you've been hurt, when you've experienced pain, you have a burden. And you're walking around carrying this baggage, this burden. And the other person, in many ways, doesn't even know about it. And when it falls, who's it falling? It falls on you. You're the one that's carrying the weight. And God is telling you, stop. Just stop. 
And when you forgive someone, when someone owes you money that they're supposed to be paying back and you remind them every Christmas, when someone has taken advantage of you and you like sure you know, you tell every single person that you know about that, that you've been hurt, you've been wronged, when you keep bringing up, you have not forgiven them. God expects and demands that we forgive other people because He has forgiven us. How can Christ forgive me, yet I refuse to forgive someone who has hurt me? Forgiveness is, a, is how we practice and show that we're saved. By extending kindness and forgiveness to others, we are displaying what God has done to us. I have received forgiveness from our Heavenly Father. Jesus has forgiven me. And folks, this is why bitterness destroys you eternal, internally. I want to tell you, do you know of anybody who's negative and they complain and they gripe and they fuss? You know why they're doing that? They're bitter. There, there is resentment, hurt, and pain that they're carrying with them. Negative people are hurt people. Joseph was kind. Kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. Kindness shows that I recognize I have been forgiven and I extend my forgiveness to you. Bitterness and unforgiveness have the capacity to shipwreck your faith. And it proves that you never belong to God. There's too many people who go to their grave harboring a bitter heart towards someone else. Even within the church. This is a true story. Y'all know I'm a podcast. Y'all know I love podcasts. I've shared that before. I listen to lots of podcasts. Y'all know you can listen to the Bible in a podcast. You listen to the whole Bible throughout the year just listening to it being read to you. And they're very animated as well. And I heard a story of one pastor sharing. This happened years ago that this is the danger of church business meetings. He had a church member so upset with him, he just didn't like a decision. They hit him with a car in the parking lot as they were leaving. They just, he didn't, they, the guy didn't like the pastor, and he says, he would have gotten run over. He jumped out of the way, but it still got his knee. And he still had to have his surgery on his knee. And he was telling the story how in that, you know, he could have had a lawsuit. He could have, you know, he made a big deal about it. But he didn't. He didn't file a claim. He paid for that surgery. And the people in the church knew it. And they wanted to see, how is the pastor going to respond after a church member runs over him in the car. Now look, he only hit his knee on that. He's, try, I guess, trying to kill him. That just shows you. This doesn't just apply to work or your family. Anywhere you go, you are going to encounter people problems. And extending forgiveness shows that we belong to God. We should not, this morning, allow our brother, our mother, our father, our sister children to shipwreck our faith maybe you have been shipwrecked because of the sin of bitterness you look at joseph 
If anyone could be bitter and hold a grudge, it absolutely could have been this man. But he refused to allow that to internally destroy him. This is an indwelling, internal sin that I promise you will eat up and destroy your love and your faith for God. Many of you here wonder, why don't I have a vibrant Christian life? It's a brand new year. I want to experience God. But if you have a bitter, unforgiven heart, if you're harboring resentment towards someone, you will not experience the blessings and the kindness of the Lord. We're about to take this Lord's Supper here. And I want you to know, the Bible tells us during the Lord's Supper, it's a time of self-examination. So I'm going to invite our deacons at this time to come forward for our Lord's Supper. Now, the Lord's Supper, Paul tells us in the book of 1 Corinthians, when we participate in the Lord's Supper, we, we take this cup, we take this piece of bread, and we look at our lives, we look at ourselves, and we need to say, God, is there anyone that I need to extend forgiveness towards? Anyone who I need to show kindness to? Because if there is, God's speaking to you this morning. And He wants you, this afternoon, this week, to go say, I'm sorry. I should not have done that. I should not have said that. We're going to take our Lord's Supper. And then afterwards, we're going to have our time of response and responding to God.